Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right. You heard the man. This is the Cashflow Guys Podcast. I am Tyler Chef, your host, and let's go ahead and get started. This week, I'm going to talk about how to make sure you can set market rents that are appropriate because here's the deal, guys. If you set it too high, well, <laughs> you're going to be talking to yourself. If you set them too low, you're going to leave money on the table. You're going to wind up not being able to maintain the property, and that's going to make you a slumlord, and that's no fun. But before we get started, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Rentometer. Today's episode, as a matter of fact, is sponsored by our friends at Rentometer. Rentometer, if you don't know, is your source for up-to-date rent information anywhere in the U.S. Here's the thing, guys. You cannot buy a rental property, an income property, if you don't know what market rent is. And heaven forbid that you trust the broker or the wholesaler or the seller as to what rents should be. Rentometer provides you that source to check and see what rents actually are. And they use data from many different data points. We'll have the president on here soon to be talking about that. But uh, Rentometer is a free trial. It gets you access to all their pro features, such as zip code, neighborhood searches, and their Google Street View integration. So check them out, folks, at rentometer.com forward slash pro. Tell them Tyler at Cashflow Guys sent you. Let's get going. Market rents. This is a big question. Everybody always wants to know what market rent is. And frankly, if you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different opinions. Okay, so I want to cover several different ways that I use to do this. There is no one way. And even the rentometer will tell you their service is one of the sources. Yes, it absolutely is one of the sources. However, they pull from different data points. You should pull from different data points as well. Think about Rentometer as a business, as a company, their job is to provide rent data to us. However, if they just relied on one source, then realistically their data would probably be inaccurate. So to offset that, they use several different data points to come up with the result that they show you. Some of that is based on ads. I'm not going to spoil the party. We're going to have the president of Rentometer on. He's going to talk us I'll talk to us about all of that here in a couple of weeks. That said, how do you set market rents? How do you know what's too high, what's too low? Well, first of all, it helps with staying current on economic economic and business conditions in the area. I want to tell you a story, Uncle Tyler's story time. So today I'm selling a house for a client, a little broken down fixer upper. And we did kind of a little media event at Facebook Lives and all that stuff. Got a bunch of buzz, got a bunch of people in there. One, I like to go out and talk to the folks out in the field. I like being out in the field, rolling up my sleeves, getting dirty, that type of thing. But I love the talking, the conversations that you have with other investors when I'm at these open houses. This is why I miss doing them. It's been so long since I've done them. One of the things that I learned today, I'm having this conversation with this guy and he owns a duplex behind the property that I'm selling. You know, we're just having a conversation. And he started mentioning about how he, he does really well as a landlord in that neighborhood. And I was like, well, that's great. You know, we can, that's good information that we can pass on to whoever buys this house or thinks about buying the house. We can use that as a uh, marketing, as part of some, some marketing feedback. Well, I dove in and realistically, he short-term rentals this thing. He uses Airbnb and several different resources, but he came up with a brand new resource that I had never really thought of before. And it was reaching out to a Canadian company and the name escapes me, but guys, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's a Canadian company. And he started looking at all these different, when he first started doing Airbnb and VRBO and places like that, which are the most common, he did okay, but not outstanding. So what he started doing is look at, looking more for short-term slash long-term people. In other words, instead of the people that are coming in for two, three nights, he was looking for people that would want to rent seasonally or maybe three, four months. So he started doing Google searches and advertising his property on all these little sites. Yes, he has to do a lot more work on the front end because 
these sites don't necessarily sync up with any type of service or tool. So he does have to put the listings in manually, which takes him more time. But guys, we're talking about one hour versus 10 minutes, okay? The difference is this. He's got one bedrooms and he's taken down $2,000 a month on one bedrooms consistently on a little duplex that would normally rent for about $750. He's taken down two grand. I mean, we're doing great in Tarpon Springs, but we've got bigger units and, and different amenities and that type of thing. Two grand for his little place is crazy, but I love hearing from these folks and talking to them out in the field, and they teach you a thing or two, and I think that's awesome. So now I have a new ninja trick, and then see, I can pass that on to you guys, and then you can start looking at things like that. But get out there and talk to people that are actually doing it. Talk to them about, hey, what, you know, you bought, just bought a new place in Huntsville, Alabama. What's that, what's that like? What are the market rents over there? How did you get that information? And ask them, and they'll start to tell you. See, I ask a lot of questions. I'm always asking lots of questions, and when I ask questions, number one, I get the person I'm talking to feels like they're in control of the conversation, which is great because that keeps them more engaged and we have a better conversation all in all. And I learn a lot. You see, I can't learn when I got my mouth open. Like right now in this podcast, I'm not learning a thing because I'm the one talking. But out in the field, I usually keep my yap shut. And when I keep my mouth shut, I learn. And when I learn, I prosper. So second way you can get your rents squared away is obviously using a service like Rentometer or using Craigslist. I'm going to give you a little hack about Craigslist. Now, here's the thing. The beauty of Rentometer and Craigslist is that it pro they provide you other properties, addresses and whatnot, or the ads to see what the rents are. What I do is I pick up the phone and I call the property managers or I call the landlords and I ask them, hey, what did the place rent for? Oh, it's still for rent. So let's talk about, let's say you're talking about a one bedroom that rents for $500 a month. Well, if I call an ad that's two months old and the rent's $500 a month and it's still for rent, that tells me there's something wrong with this unit where it's probably not worth $500 a month. And I'm going to ask him, I see it's still vacant. Is it a bit under construction or is there some reason for that? Or what do you think the reason for the vacancy is? I'll flat out ask them. And a lot of times they'll tell you. And then essentially you take a combination of this data. You reach reach out, look at Rentometer. It'll give you a range because there's no exacting science in this thing. You won't know what market rent is until somebody signs the lease and both of you are happy with the number. That's what market rent is. And usually the tenants aren't the ones that are very happy with market rent. That's usually the landlords. I digress. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and talk to those landlords and find out what the story is. Ask them how long it took to rent. Ask them, you know, do, do they have other units that same location or similar location based on their experience? Remember, people like to be the smartest person in the room. Gee, Mr. Jones, Based on your extensive experience, what do you feel the rent would be for a two-bedroom, one-bath in the same neighborhood? And listen to what they say. The third one is going to be talking to property managers and appraisers. And here's the thing, and I've said this, I've sprinkled this into different different episodes in the past, but I love talking to property managers about potential rents. Here's why. They lie. You heard me. They lie. You're probably thinking, what do you mean they lie and why would that be good information? Well, here's the deal. Property managers obviously want to make their job as easy as possible. They don't want your property sitting vacant and you blowing up their phone every five minutes, wondering is, do you got a tenant yet? How about now? How about now? How about now? So if you ask them how much market rent is, and let's say market rent's really $1,000 a month, they're probably going to tell you 900 because at 900, they should be able to, they should be able to easily rent your property at 900 when they're giving you what market, what their idea of market rent is. And understand guys, I wouldn't even say they're lying. It's just an opinion. Their opinion is always going to be lower than what true market rent is. So if a property manager tells you 900, that automatically tells me I could probably get a little more. That said, folks, if you peel them off the ceiling, as far as the tenants, sometimes they're going to get mad or you're going to have a lot 
of turnover. So there's a fine line there when it comes to overcharging for rent. Trust me, ask me how I know. You don't. What's one thing you don't want is a lot of turnover. That said, you don't want to be giving away the farm and, and acting like a charity because that can backfire on you too. So it's six of one, half dozen the other. You got to decide which way works best for you. Talking to appraisers, and this one is a little more of a challenge. Getting to appraisers. If you bump into appraisers, like when I teach folks in the mailbox money coaching program, they learn about team building. They come out of there with their team already built. It's important to reach out to those if you've got, you should, if you're, if you're one of my students, you should have appraisers in your tool belt, reach out to them and ask them what they feel market rent is. Because here's the thing, when an appraiser does a market analysis, one of the things that they'll look at, especially if it's a multifamily is the income method. And to do the income method, they're going to have to factor what market rents are for the area. If you know somebody that's recently bought a property, whether it be multifamily, single family, doesn't matter. That is a landlord. Ask them if they could look, take a look at their appraisal and see if the, the valuation was done using the income method. And if so, they should have already got you some data in that appraisal that should already be built in there of typical rent data. They, they usually have a blurb in there or how they got the data, where they got it from. Look at those different sources. And now they vary from area to area. So if you know somebody that's had a bought a property lately, that's a rental property, ask them to see if you can get a copy of their appraisal as it ties to the uh, income section, you know, for the rents and whatnot. It's a wealth of information. And guys, how do you learn all this stuff? Well, you do see, and you get out there and ask questions. Somebody before you, chances are whatever it, co- it comes whatever you come across, somebody before you has already done it. Okay. Understand that somebody before you has already gone through this process. That said, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Just reach out and talk to people and ask the questions. Hey, I'm trying to find an appraiser that understands rental property in Tarpon Springs, Florida. And you put that on a Facebook or Facebook group or something like that. And people will start to tell you resources of where to go. Then you find them and, and you talk to them, leave a bunch of messages. Hey, I'm thinking about buying a rental property. I was wondering if you could help me determine what the rental amount would be. If you've recently done any appraisals in this area and would have an opinion of, of uh, market rent for a two bedroom, one bath in Tarpon Springs, Florida, for example, and then see what they say. Now, some people, they may want to help you, but other people, I see, I generally believe that people want to help you if given the opportunity. I may be wrong, but at the end of the day, I'm going to stay positive. I don't care what Facebook says. That said, the next next thing I would do is to know the Section 8 rental amounts for properties like yours in the immediate in the immediate area. Don't go like the next town over or something like that. You call your local housing office, HUD or Section 8 office or whatever it is, or public housing office, and ask them what they would pay if somebody rented that place. Now, if, you're, if you own some six-bedroom mansion on the Gulf of Mexico, then I probably wouldn't try this one. But, and just because I say Section 8 doesn't mean your property needs to be in the hood for this to work either. If it's, in a, if it's a decent property, I mean, if it's in some golf course front, whatever, then obviously that's not going to qualify for Section 8 and the numbers aren't going to even matter. But if it's your average middle class type house, your average regular house, two bedroom, three bedroom, one bedroom, whatever it may be, or multifamily and something like like your C and B class type properties, absolutely call Section 8. What they're going to do is they're going to give you a bonus, actually bonus money for having a nicer place. So if your place is dialed in real nice, you'll do quite well. Like your C and B class type properties, absolutely call Section 8. What they're going to do is they're going to give you a bonus, actually, bonus money for having a nicer place. So if your place is dialed in real nice, you'll do quite well. Dealing with the Section 8 offices can be a challenge all in itself. So I've overall, for the last, I don't know, five years or so, I haven't done anything with Section 8 just because my local Section 8 office is, let's just say, a challenge to deal with. And not that the tenants are great, but the office, the Section 8 office, the employees are just not the best. That said, reach out anyway in your market and talk to them and find out, hey, what in Tarpon Springs, what does the, what is the average rent for a three-bedroom, two-bath, single-family house? They're going to give you a range of rents, similar to what Rentometer will do, but you will find that Section 8 numbers, in a lot of cases, are much higher than all the other research that you're going to do. And hey, what's wrong with that? 
Think about it this way. When you're talking to a tenant or you're talking to a property manager, you can tell the property manager, hey, look, man, I know you say this thing will rent for 900, but I talked to Section 8 and they said it'll rent for 1100. So I'm pretty confident that you should be able to do this for a thousand, get this done for a thousand, couldn't you? I mean, that's below Section 8 rental. I don't think I'm asking too much, right? Which is basically a nice way of saying, look, I know you're not telling me the truth and I know that you're being conservative or maybe not telling the truth so much is uh, being conservative on the rent amount. How about uh, we do a thousand instead of 900 and off we go, right? Off we go to the races, which essentially by asking for a little bit more money out of the property manager or requiring a little more money before you hire the property manager can in a lot of cases cover what they charge. So just think about that. Uh, the Section 8 just turns out to be a fantastic resource. And the other thing to think about is they have historical data. They have data of because they're paying the rents on a lot of places around town, places that might be right next door to yours. So reach out to them and see what they have. Now, there's no such thing as one size, one shoe fits every foot. So every Section 8 type housing assistance office in in each market or city is going to maybe be set up a little differently. I'm sure they're, oh, I know for a fact, they're not the same all the way across the board. I know other markets like Memphis, Tennessee, housing offices is completely different. Very helpful staff, very nice people, good reporting and data you can get from them. So you reach out to them and, and they'll do well by you. So there you have it. The next thing is check statistical resources. Now there's such a thing as rental and apartment associations that like the NARPM, which is the National Association of Residential Property Managers, I think. That's what it stands for, NARPM. They put out all kinds of reports and data and things like that for markets. There are things called Sperling's Best Places. It's bestplaces.net. That is actually a website I use to look at uh, individual real estate markets. You can break it down as far as zip code, which is pretty pretty tight area, and it will give you a range. It gives you a basic range. Now, keep in mind, like a little town like mine here, let's say if I was talking about Tarpon Springs, we're a small town, and you can, you know, a two-bedroom, one-bath can go anywhere from on the low side, 900 for kind of a dumpy place on up to 2500 if it's on the water or $3,000 if it's a short-term rental. So keep in mind, there's a big range there, but at least it kind of gets you zoned in a little bit. At least you know that in this area, that's the range. And okay, my place is not a dump, but it's also not on the water and I'm not doing a short-term rental. So then I want to be somewhere in here. So when you look at all these different data points, guys and, you, and girls, and you put these data points together, you're going to come up with something that makes sense. You're going to come up with something you can count on. That said, don't get caught lying to yourself. And a lot of people do that. I made that mistake early on as I basically lied to myself. I'm like, oh, I should be able to get a thousand all day long. And realistically, I knew in my heart of hearts that the best I could probably get is about 650, 700. But I thought, oh, I'm a good salesman. I'll be able to get a thousand out of it. And in reality, I did get the thousand. The problem is the tenants beat me to death, man. I just, <laughs> I paid dearly for that one. So keep in mind that when you're doing your research, don't be shy about sharing the positives of that data, that which works to your advantage with your tenants. If your tenants want to negotiate, then remind them of the data you found to support your higher rent. And in some cases, let's say the rent, that target rent, just say you're renting for a thousand, but you know, market rent's really 1100. Don't be afraid to show them those data points. Now, I don't suggest you get into a big negotiating battle with your tenants by any means, because at some point the value of your rental should speak for itself. Okay. So if you're, if you're a slumlord and you got some nasty property, well, that's going to be, you're going to have a hard time justifying your rent and you're probably going to wind up running it for less money. But if you do things like nice landscaping and when they walk in, it smells nice and clean. It doesn't smell like some wet dog. And the for me, when I put in a new toilet, when my rentals, every time I buy a rental property, first thing we do is replace every stinking toilet in the building, every one of them. And you're thinking, why would I do that? Number one, in a lot of municipalities, I can get them done for almost free. Number two, it's a, probably the number one source of water 
uh, leakage is from toilets, and I know you can replace the guts and whatnot. But on number three is the ladies love it when they walk into a potential apartment they want to rent, and the toilet is brand new with a sticker still on it. Girls love it. So hey, you know I'm all about getting getting uh, called butts and seats. Well, I guess this is a button seat, but I'm all about making sure that people, the tenants, get what they want when they walk in and they go, wow. And there's even a new toilet. You know, if the husband and wife are sitting down, or boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever, sitting down trying to discuss if they're going to take your place or the one next door, that's fifty bucks a month less. And and she sits there and realizes there's a brand new toilet. And the one in your apartment, I hate to keep talking about toilets, but it's a good point. The one next door has a brown stain and yours doesn't. Well, that's probably going to make somebody lean towards your rental, right? Because you changed out your toilet. You took Uncle Tyler's advice and off you go. So think about that, ladies and gentlemen. That could be a big, big benefit to you. Um, Websites like Marcus and Millichap is another one. They're a, a commercial broker, brokerage company. They do amazing reporting. I love their website. There's all kinds of cool stuff if you're a data geek like I am. You can go in there and just geek out all you want. All kinds of good stuff. So guys, look at for sale listings of commercial, like multifamily property. So if you've got apartments or you've got a small house, look at properties that are for sale because what you will see, like let's say, look at a, look for commercial apartment building. Here's why. Those brokers will usually do a great deal of data gathering to prove the rent potentials of that property. Well, great. Let them do all the work. They've already done it and they provide it to the potential buyer. And a lot of times it'll be available right there in the listing. So you can search all kinds of places like City Feet is a, is a good one, uh, LoopNet. And um, you go there and look at the listings of, let's say, apartment buildings in your area or mobile home parks and places like that. Or maybe it's a portfolio of single family houses that an investor is selling off. But look at the rent roll and data that's going to give you a number one. A rent roll will give you historical data based on what properties are actually renting for currently. And the prospectus will give you generally what they think they'll rent for. Now, I will say that they're usually a little lofty in their projections, but a lot of times they will go so far as to put in data points. They will tell you where they got the data from. So go there and look at that data yourself and then take that information, add it to the information you already have and come up with your rent amounts and then talk to, you know, provide a good product. Again, I can't stress how important it is to provide a good product. And by product, I mean a nice place to live. Listen, your tenants are your customers. Understand that they are not beneath you. You are not above them. They're not any, you're not any better than they are. You just, who can cares if you own the property, they own the property. The bottom line is if you do the right thing starting out and provide them a good experience and you take the time to be diligent in selecting the right people, nice people that are going to take good care of your property, that have their act together. I'm a big believer in having, having their car clean and organized, you will be fine and you'll have a great rental experience, but be communicate with people. Okay? Have a good conversation with people. Talk to them. If they start to negotiate over the rent, explain to them where you get the data. And ladies and gentlemen, you'll have a great relationship. It's not all about tenants, toilets, and termites. Tenants aren't really all that bad. And yes, there are some challenging ones. I mean, you could spend a few minutes on Facebook and see all kinds of challenging ones. But at the end of the day, guys, they're not as bad as they make it out to be. And I can tell you that probably more often than not, it's the landlord has a good amount of blame in the failure of that relationship because they didn't didn't, uh, communicate effectively or maybe they're overcharging them or they're gouging them or all kinds of crazy things. So don't be that guy or girl. Take good care of people, provide a good quality product, and you should expect people to take care of you as well. So I'm going to leave it right there, guys. I hope you found value in this. If you haven't already, get over to rentometer.com forward slash pro and get signed up for a pro free trial. I am a pro member. I use Rentometer when I do rent reports for my clients. And when we're sitting down and doing investments and I'm putting together uh, rent rolls or rent projections, things like that, I use Rentometer data. What I love about the pro account is that I can have it branded. I've got it branded with my realty company. 
company and got it branded with cash flow guys. And it's really cool that I can do that. They put some really nice reports together. So get over there and give them some love. Rentometer.com forward slash pro. I'm going to leave it right there. And I hope you guys have a great week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.